Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino, your co-host. And of course, joining me, as always, is your other co-host, James Johnson, managing editor of the Jaguars Wire over on USA Today. Jay, it's good to be back here with you. And for those of you that do not know, and of course, if you noticed, there was no episode last week, despite all of the craziness that happened. And uh, that's because Jay and I did record an episode last Wednesday night, hours before all the craziness started to happen. And, uh, you know, we had to, of course, scrap that entire episode. And, you know, for any other podcasters that are listening up there or just anybody that has a really busy life, you may understand that sometimes things just don't come together. And unfortunately, we were unable to get the time to put together an episode, edit all that kind of stuff. You know, we do all that in house. That's just Jay and I on our side. So, Jay. This is really kind of our first chance to get to talk to our podcast audience, even though we had a whole hell of a lot of fun over on Twitter doing a Twitter spaces live for the first time, which was a whole lot of fun. Shout out to any new listeners that might be joining us from that, as well as shout out to Dilla who stopped by. Jamal Sincere was in there. A couple other people. Demetrius hopped in as well. So shout out to all of them, Jay. That was a whole lot of fun. But nonetheless, I'm, I'm happy to be back within our wheelhouse here in the podcast game. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Well, first, I'll, I'll touch on the whole element of what you said about last week and uh, the recording schedule and, you know, recording a podcast and having to scrap it and this, that and the other. Like you said, yeah, that's life as a podcaster. And anybody that's podcasted understands that. Uh, so we appreciate the patience, first and foremost. And speaking of which, like this one kind of took a little effort to get together too because i'm over here like with headaches from the booster shot <laughs> so i was like should, should i be over here like talking about uh the head coaching search but nonetheless i just feel so bad that we didn't get an episode out last week albeit we did the spaces that i was like look dude it don't even matter if i had like a, a migraine times five man we're making this happen and i mean like it's just the news is Something that I don't want to say exciting because you don't like to see people getting fired. But I mean, I guess, well, for the, the people of Jacksonville, that's the right word for them, you know, the fans and, and whatnot. So but, you know, it's just a topic like it's historic in a way. And it's historic in a bad way, at some, you know, in some aspects, too, about what's coming out. So, like, I was just really excited to talk about this headache or not. But as you said, as for the spaces, man, shout outs to everybody. They showed mad love. As you said, I think me and you were talking about it afterwards. We saw like a max of like 80 plus people in there at one point in time. So shout outs to Dilla for, you know, pointing people in that direction and joining in himself. He asked the question himself. Shout outs to Demetrius Harvey, who I gave a little grief about covering the Gators. Uh, but nonetheless, good dude, man. And um, shout outs to him as well. And anybody else that jumped in, I might be missing some names. Please forgive me. But we had several questions in there. Shout outs to Aaron as well. I don't want to forget him because Aaron was hosting for a majority of that too with us. I think he was like yeah, a third dude in there. In there. So <laughs> shout out to him. 
yeah, 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 yeah. Good move, good move, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was good to talk to him, a fellow Atlanta Braves fan. We probably lost some people when we mentioned the Braves, but it's whatever. But uh, nonetheless, man, we appreciate everybody that tuned in, Jamal. Anybody else I may have forgotten. And uh, yeah, we're also excited to get this show on the road. And um, appreciate anybody that's rated, comment, subscribe. Appreciate any new listeners as well. Yeah, all of you that uh, were asking questions, just tuning in and uh, all that was it was really kind of uh, a humbling and mind blowing experience. So thank you all for helping make that successful. As we mentioned, again, thank you all so much for joining us here and believe in the Jaguars. If you're brand new and you enjoy the show and you feel like we deserve it and you're listening on your Apple device, please go ahead and leave us a five-star review. It's one of the best ways you can support the show. You can also find us, of course, on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, Amazon Music, and TuneIn. Of course, we can be found at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast as part of the Believe Podcast Library. Make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Believe in Jags Pod. You can find myself at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. Jay is at SportsGrind underscore Don. And, of course, you can find all of your up-to-date Jacksonville Jaguar news at jaguarswire.usatoday.com. And also, we have to give a shout-out to our one of our OG sponsors here, Jay, Bet Online, because Bet Online is back and better than ever. They've got a brand-new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Jay. So let's go ahead and get into this now. Of course, if you're listening, you already know how everything played out. You know, it was uh, early, early Thursday morning and the news came from Adam Schefter. And uh, Jay, I got to tell you, you know, we'll do a little bit of backtracking here. I've already told this story over on Twitter, but I was literally about to go to bed. I was getting ready for bed. I'm sitting there about to migrate from my game room into my bedroom. And all of a sudden, the news heard around the world drops from Adam Schefter and we are going into a frenzy. I'm glad you and Boogie were also up in the same time so we could all you know, bounce off each other. You obviously got straight to work. So, you know, for those of our audience that haven't heard your initial reaction, you know, kind of go through your steps really quickly before we move into, you know, some other stuff that's come out. What was your thought process when that news dropped right around 1230 a.m.? Yeah, so I was uh, trying to get the whole thing pre-written, not that I knew it was going to happen then, uh, but I just had a busy day on that day. Uh, so like I just got caught up with other articles and this, that and the other. And you're not expecting it to happen at 1230, 1230 at midnight, should I say. Uh, so that being said, when the news came in, you sent it to the thread with me and Boogie. And I saw it. I was like, dang, like that's when it hit me, actually. I was like, dang, I never finished up uh, pre-writing my article. Uh, so I went straight to work, as you said, um, and did the article on that and the reactions and talked about the the statements that uh, Shad Khan made and whatnot. And it kind of reminded me of free agency, right? When, uh, you know, the, I think it was whenever year we lost Allen Robinson, uh, I was writing into the night, like 12 to three o'clock at night. And I can remember Allen Robinson or news broke that Allen Robinson was going to the bears at like two o'clock or three o'clock in, in the, in the morning. Kind of reminded me of that. 
Uh, but yeah, I was pretty much up for three more hours on that, you know, after that news broke and again, shocked that it happened then, you know, like you, we're all thinking, right. That if you're going to fire him, do it at seven in the morning when everybody wake up, everybody heading to work, we can hear it on 1010 XL. And allegedly they did it before then, according to Shad Khan, they supposedly did it on Sunday. Uh, take that for what it's worth. Some people buying no it sense. and some people aren't none at all. Not at all. I mean, like, it's like the old saying, go, if it, it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck is a duck. And it feels like, uh, you know, just it, let, let's just be 100 percent. Like, it feels like they might be trying to cover up the Josh Lambeau story and saying that they, you know, they did it before then. But it's some weird stuff going on in the organization. But I, I digress from my point. But, yeah, in terms of Urban, wasn't expecting it at that point, was hoping, to, you know, or I don't want to say hope it was. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is because there's been some mistreatment there. But, you know, we were thinking it would come at, you know, 7, 8 in the morning or after the Texans game. And it did not. What a weird time to do it. But Jacksonville, nonetheless, the city of uh, fans of the Jacksonville Jaguars and none uh, fans who aren't fans of the Jacksonville Jaguars are just happy that Urban Meyer is out of the hairs of the Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence and whoever else, you know, that's involved in the organization and are now happy that Trevor Lawrence can get the proper coaching. We hope again, it's shot making the hire. So, and uh, hopefully, you know, the GM uh, firing will, will follow at the end of the year. We'll see how that goes, but that's the next pillar. I said that in the, the spaces that we had, that's the next pillar that needs to be broken down. They need a full reset. No more half measures. Because that's what's gotten them where they are. They did it with Dave Caldwell, uh, and they kept him and brought in Tom Coughlin, and uh, also kept Doug Marone, if you will. I mean, he was a coach on Gus Bradley's staff. And then with the following firing, they kept Trent Baalke. He was the holdover uh, for Urban Meyer, and you, you know we talked about that and what have you in terms of Urban Meyer holding on to Baalke and how uh, foolish that was. But yeah, here we are, man, and uh, people are still talking about this topic despite it happening last week. Yeah, and you know, we had been hearing all these different rumblings. There was uh, what the Pauline report that he was going to be fired after the Houston game or something along those lines. And, you know, it's one of those things where we were hearing all this, Jay, but just knowing how patient Shad Khan has been during his run here in Jacksonville, it was something I always took with a grain of salt. And it just made me nervous and thinking that, you know what? They're going to run this back. They're going to let Urban essentially clean house as far as his uh, definitely offensive head, uh, you know, assistant coaches defensively, you know, who knows what would have happened there. But I am just I just had pretty much convinced myself to not get excited about some of these rumors. You know, of course, he was being tied to all these college jobs and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, we talked about this, Jay. I think Rich Eisen had a story where he met him at like a mixer or something along those lines when he was still coaching at Ohio state and urban Meyer could name each and every single kid on the team, what they were doing in their life, what was going on with them. And then here he can't even remember Adam Gotts's name or refer to special teams players by their first names. So if you thought that he would go from where he is now, not even knowing how many snaps Andre Cisco was taking to taking on the Notre Dame or Oregon job, that just wasn't realistic. So it was either he was going to be fired or walk away. And of course, the former did happen. And, you know, it is a sigh of relief. Now, you essentially, Jay, have wasted a year of Trevor Lawrence, but you get to start over in essentially the exact same spot. Literally, you may even have the number one overall pick. And we'll talk about 
you know, how appealing this job is and how one specific analyst over on ESPN, how he feels about this position. And, you know, we kind of joked around wondering, is he maybe trying to position himself for this job? We'll talk about that in a moment. But yeah, before it actually happened, I certainly was a little, uh, a little apprehensive just because again of Shad Khan's, you know, reluctancy to, uh, or unwillingness, I guess, to move on, uh, you know, before he should. Yeah, well, you hit on something that's very interesting and that I've heard before. What, what you said about Rich Eisen, right? That's not the first time that that's been heard. People are saying that somewhere between Ohio State or maybe even going back to Florida and now, uh, Urban Meyer tra- changed drastically. And he he had never really had a squeaky clean record to begin with, but he changed drastically somewhere in between there. I think it was AP Mark Loan from the Associated Press uh, because people forget Mark covers the Gators too. You know, and uh, as does Demetrius, but Demetrius is a little bit younger. He wasn't covering the Gators during Urban Meyer's run. Uh, So that being said, it it seems like it's people that agree with Rich on that, that somewhere down the line, he just changed to a a, a drastically different person. And that's what hurt him here in Jacksonville in terms of, you know, deciding his fate and him being fired and, and what have you. And then like like you were saying we know how Shad Khan is, how patient he is. We also, what what it was is how much pride he took in the hiring Urban Meyer that we didn't understand. You know, in the press conference telling people, hey, I got it right. And Urban Meyer has never taken, uh, taken a, you know, a, a snap in the NFL in terms of, you know, being a head coach on the sidelines or whatever the case may be, but saying, hey, I got it right. And just the boastfulness and the, the, brag, uh, the bragging that went behind him in the press conferences and having him. And, you know, like it it was hard to I mean, a lot of us probably forget all of that because we were just caught up in the fact that Urban Meyer had made the leap from the desk to the NFL. But it did feel like uh, Shad Khan was really proud of what he did. Um, And, you know, me and you and several other people, Eric and Aaron, we were questioning, uh, you know, we were kind of iffy on that. Like, why is he so happy about this? We got to see what this guy could do in the NFL. And by the way, as Eric said, there are some scandals that could come with this and no longer than what? Uh, three to four weeks of a month after he was hired, he hires Chris Doyle. And it just all went downhill from there. And basically, like, it was just thing after thing after thing. And then it got to the point when the Josh Lambeau story got out, that's when I started to feel like, okay, now the wall is falling and Shad Khan would do it. And here's the reason why. Because Shad Khan previously fired Tom Coughlin, a well-respected NFL figure, a guy that has actually achieved in the NFL. He fired him, if I can recall, after the situation that uh, went down with the NFLPA. And all is all it really takes really is for the NFLPA to say, hey, we're going to get involved in this for owners to start listening. And the players union may have gotten through the shotgun. You know, when you have proof for, you know, some witnesses out there, because again, Rich Eisen said nobody disputed that Urban Meyer kicked Josh Lambeau, when you have evidence out there that this happened, it's almost like you have to get rid of him because nobody's out there disputing that it didn't happen. So they got rid of him. Um, you know, who's, who's to say it's probably because we see this all the time is video cameras everywhere in the NFL, even like post game. It might be on camera for all we know. And Shad Khan might know about that and had to get rid of him for that reason. It might be physical evidence out there. I don't know. You know, it was a preseason game. So we, you don't know what, what cameras are rolling and what they're catching. But nonetheless, he's gone. And that incident, you know, despite what some people say, you know, it's been some people that said that that wasn't the nail in the coffin. That feels like that probably was the nail in the coffin. 
even though Shad Khan said he fired him after the Tennessee game. Yeah, there was, I mean, in, in our opinion, there were several moments of never coming back from that. And, you know, lo and behold, this was officially the one, whether or not, you know, the Jaguars internally knew about it, you know, who knows? Well, maybe we'll find out that truth someday. But, you know, nonetheless, Josh Lambeau delivering one more game winning, you know, field goal or, or kick, whatever you want to call it here in Jacksonville. And it, this is where we are now. And, uh, you know, with more and more things coming up, Jay, I do want to take uh, also another chance to mention Rich Eisen here because you want to talk about the uh, writer from the Tampa Bay Times, you know, came on uh, as far as uh, to talk more about that story. He was on with Rich Eisen. And, uh, you know, I did get to kind of skim over that video clip here. If you want to just kind of recap essentially what he was saying uh, to to Rich when he uh, when Rich had him on. Yeah, Rick Stroud is his name of the Tampa Bay Times. And, you know, like it's a lot to process because that video is like eight minutes and some change long. But basically the things that stood out to me was the whole element of when Urban found out that this story was coming out. He spent time from how I gathered it from what uh, Rick was saying. He spent time. He was supposed to be helping the team practice. He was supposed to be with his assistants helping the team practice. He spent time from how Rick described it uh, on the phone with his lawyers and whatnot um, as they were reaching out to the Tampa Bay Times and trying to get the Tampa Bay Times to delay when they were going to put the story out, whenever that was. Then, um, you know, all kinds of legal things got involved and eventually the story still came out nonetheless. But there was also a key element, a key nugget from that that I took away where they were saying, and I kind of already touched on this where Rick Stroud was saying that Urban Meyer was trying to get some players to speak up for him and say that the kick wasn't that hard. But the bottom line and the funny thing about it is the kick happened and nobody was disputing it. That's the key nugget of this whole thing that Rick Stroud came away with is that nobody disputed it and that it happened and that it shouldn't happen on the workplace, like especially for somebody you don't know like that. So that was the biggest thing that the the two biggest takeaways I took away from it. But there's other little elements in there that Rick Stroud kind of pointed out and what have you. Also, he was pointing out that, um, you know, he, Urban was saying he would terminate anybody that's leaking information. And here he is trying to get people to, you know, come to his defense and say, hey, uh, you know, he kicked him, but it wasn't that bad of a deal type of thing. And while I'm on that, actually, too, it makes me wonder with how this tenure has gone for Urban Meyer. Uh, and this is none of my business, uh, but who were the players he was trying to get to vouch for him, right? Like, that was one thing that stood out to me as I'm I'm listening to this. I was about to say reading, but listening Carlos to this. Carlos Hyde. Because, yep. <laughs> that, uh, uh, Luke Farrell, right? People Devon that he Hamilton, coached. maybe? Devon Hamilton. It wouldn't shock me if it was one of those guys. And, you know, I, I don't know if any of those guys would have vouched for him, but that's another story for another time. But those are the, yeah, those are the names that went instantly to my mind in terms of like people trying to vouch for him yeah I mean the team was you know 2 and 11 at that time you know all these stories were coming out and you think someone on the team is going to speak up for you I don't I don't think so man so yeah it was just a wild situation for all that to be added on to what all you know what we already had uh, Urban Meyer has come out through Ian Rappaport friend of the show of NFL Network and has made some public statements. This was on Sunday, if I recall correctly, Jay. Uh, he told Ian Rappaport, I just apologize to Jacksonville. I love Jacksonville. It's one of the reasons I took the job. I still think Shad's a great owner. It's heartbreaking. 
I just had a dream of it becoming a destination place with a new facility he agreed to build and someday to walk into that stadium where it's standing room only because I know how bad the people of Jacksonville want it. So I'm just heartbroken that we weren't able to do that. I still believe it's going to be done. It's too good of a place. He would go on to tell Rappaport that, you know, those the losses began to eat away at him. He said, uh, quote, I tell people losing eats away at your soul. Once you start losing, it's hard on everybody. I thought at one point when we won two out of three, there was some momentum, great energy. The defense was really playing well. We were running the ball. And then when we dried up, when that dried up on us, we then started turning the ball over. We had that bye week and then James Robinson gets hurt. Talking about the Mike Rabel handshake. Someone asked me about Rabel's uh, handshake who were really close. That had nothing to do with him. That's probably one of my issues. Why I've thought some of the things I said, I can't take losing. I try to accept it. It just eats away at my soul. And I believe our players deserve better. And, uh, you know, that's all good and well, Urban, but <laughs> it's way, way too little too late. You know what I still don't hear in this apology here, Jay, is accountability. <laughs> that's still missing from this year uh, as far as when he uh, spoke <laughs> with Ian Rappaport. So, you know, of course he has uh, come out and made that statement. Not, you know, his family, you know, is out there making the rounds on social media <laughs> as well as, you know, as maybe you can be expected, I guess, when your parent or family member is in a high profile position, maybe you, you are quick to want to defend them. But honestly, probably in this situation, it's best to just, let things happen and, and maybe stay off social media. But again, easier said than done. I'm way too emotional on social media. So, <laughs> yeah, as you said, man, just never took accountability is what Stan stood out. And you have the audacity, right, to make the phrase of the year because the Jaguars make a phrase every year. It was all in at one point in time and all of these different things. But you had the audacity to make the phrase own it. And he's done anything but own it. Um, so like that, that always stood out to me, man. It's just, uh, just, just, I mean, you, you got some gall, man, to, to, to make this, the, uh, this, the motto for the year that, um, also, you know, he says that he wants to win for Duval and wants to win for the city of Jacksonville. And this is where I'm at with that, right? The NFL, I talk to people about this all the time. The NFL and football in general is about adapting as a coach. You must adapt to the times. You cannot stay behind and go about the old coachings in the old ways and the, the, this, that, and the other. You have to move away from that. And look, granted, coaching from when I was playing in high school to now is, is significantly different. But that doesn't mean that it still can't be successful. You know, over time, maybe you just find better ways to go about coaching and go about the the, the ways of football and this, that, and the other. A prime example is now we're taking CTE and concussions and all of that more seriously than we did before. A lot of people gripe and complain about it, but nobody wants to wake up and see their one of their favorite football players from back in the day from the 90s on the Jacksonville Jaguar squad or whoever you watch in, in an incident that's related to CTE where a life was taken or anything like that. Nobody wants to see that. So, you know, it's good that the, the game is evolving to a degree and you have to evolve with it. And, you know, Urban didn't take accountability on that part, right? He he blames the game for being fragile, is what he said, and what what have you. Uh, but if you want to do so well for the the city of Jacksonville, this is where I'm at with it. Adapt, adapt to the coaching times and and what have you. Adapt to it, and you know become a coach of the times. Like you can't be the the same Urban Meyer from uh, Bowling Green or Utah. It's a much much different time. Don't and then. 
take accountability and don't blame the game for being fragile. I mean, he, and it, it, that's the funny thing about it. He'll blame the game for being fragile, but he'll he'll sit up there and tell us like, hey, I don't blame the players. I put it on the coaches to get the best out of these players and this, that, and the other. So a lot of like confusion there in terms of what he was saying and and this, that, and the other. But like, that's just, that didn't sit well with me. The lack of taking accountability. And also lastly, but not least, as a coach, handle the losses like a professional. That's part of the job of being a coach, being professional about the losses or being professional about the wins as well. It goes, it goes both ways. Be a professional at your craft, at something that you've done for many, many years, dating back to the 80s or whenever Urban Meyer started coaching. Give the craft the respect it deserves and take the losing like a man if it's going to happen. And then go back, evaluate things and figure out how to win. But don't sit up there and act like a whatever age he is, 56, a 56-year-old child and, you know, want, barely want to shake Mike Vrabel's hand, who has gave you his services as a coach, by the way, who has helped you at Ohio State or, you know, in whatever stop it was. I think it was Ohio State as an assistant. So that being said, like, if you love the craft enough and you love the people of Jacksonville enough and you love Shotgun enough, as you said in your uh, apology to Ian Rappaport, you would have made the adjustments and you still you'll still be here. But that's not the case. And for that reason, you might not ever find another job in the NFL or I don't think he wants no parts of the NFL or college for that matter. Uh, but he might end up back at the news desk. I wouldn't be surprised at that. Yeah, all those images of, you know, the three pillars of leadership and all that crap he was peddling before he got this job. That's going to sit over him forever. You know, the video in Cincinnati or yeah, the video in Ohio at the bar, that's going to be with him, you know, a compilation of all of his mismanagement of press conferences and all that kind of stuff and just having no idea what the hell is going on right down the hallway from him you know how, how about apologize for that how about apologize for wasting our time how about you apologize for wasting shot Khan's time how about apologize wasting trevor lawrence's time how about how about all that urban and what you're referring to jay the quote where he says just uh society has changed you think how hard you pushed I believe there's greatness in everybody and it's the coach's job to find that greatness however you do it positive encouragement pushing them to be greater, making them work harder, identifying flaws and trying to fix them. I think everything is so fragile right now. And I think, and that includes coaching staffs. When I got into coaching, coaches weren't making this kind of money and they didn't have agents. Everything is so fragile where it used to be team, team, team. I remember talking about in the staff meeting three days ago, I got into this position because I had the greatest high school coach and it was all about the team, all about the huddle. Well, you didn't make it about the damn team either, Urban. So what the hell does that have to do with anything? Yeah, when you listen to a Bruce Arians uh, a, a Bruce Arians presser, you don't hear this BS. When you listen to even within our own division, you listen to a Frank Wright presser, you don't hear this BS. They take accountability for whatever losses came before them, and they handle it like professionals. And that's what got tiresome about this whole situation is seeing our coach or the the coach that we cover for the team act like a child. And seeing these other coaches act like true professionals. I mean, look at it's, it's other teams out there. The Jets are losing games like crazy. You don't see Robert Sala acting up, who coincidentally we uh, play this week. You don't see Robert Sala acting like a child and not taking accountability. Uh, it's other teams on, you know, that it's escaping my mind right now. That's, you know, down there with us in terms of the draft order. That uh, the Bears and Matt Nagy, the team we talked about two weeks ago, the Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell. Again, 
Look how night and day these two organizations are right now. There you go, and Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy know he's up, he's up out of Chicago. The the performance they put up yesterday was horrendous. But I bet you if you listen to a Matt Nagy presser, and I don't listen to Matt Nagy presses, but I bet you it's night and day difference, like you said, um, like Dan Campbell's pressers are from what Urban Meyer was saying in the BS he was putting out there and couldn't remember Adam Gotsis's name or uh, remember any of his, you know, his his top defensive lineman's name. So here we are, uh, you know, Shad Khan and, and Jimmy Smith said this. Uh, he put it perfectly. You know, a lot of people ended up with egg on their face, and Shad Khan is probably the number one. They got egg on his face, suit, mud, and everything, and tried to make it work. But this is, you know, what happens when, you know, you, you go for a move like that where you know there's somebody that's questionable as a person, and, you know, it's costed them. But, hey, at the same time, Shad Khan's net worth is like $8 billion. So he'll be just fine. And <laughs> at the end of the day, uh, he'll have plenty of money to hire somebody else to take Urban Meyer's place, albeit they're going into a legal situation for the contract, uh, which that's another story for another time. Yeah. So, you know, that's just the gist of kind of what we discussed you know, over the weekend, what we've kind of discussed internally. We, of course, wanted to take the time to talk about it since we didn't get the episode out last week. You know, we didn't even get to mention here, Jay, yet that the Jaguars lost to the Houston Texans 30 to 16 in a just a hard to watch game being there. I took my daughter and, uh, you know, it was obviously pouring Eric and I, we, you know, one thing I will say, and and, uh, we talked, I talked to Jay Paul about this while we were at the game is one thing that shot Khan definitely at least has gotten right is Daly's place because the cool thing is Daly's is open during games and we just migrated into Daly's place and watched the game up on the big screen. So of course the Jaguars continue their losing ways. They have now moved into the number one spot as of right now in the draft order with the Detroit Lions winning and uh, beating the, you know, just a battered Arizona Cardinals team. But again, a team that just looks, uh, you know, a lot better than us, even though they have, um, you know, a similar record. But yeah, Trevor Lawrence, again, no touchdowns, no interceptions. James Robinson did get into the end zone. They seem to really make it a point to give him the ball. But nonetheless, again, here at this point of the season, guys, as we've said week after week, the team on the field and the play on the field kind of is what it is. And we're going to start looking forward here. And uh, which is what a lot of people are talking about, Jay, in the mainstream media, specifically over on ESPN. Uh, You know, the conversation came up on ESPN's Get Up this morning about what should be the more attractive job which is either the Chicago Bears position, which, as you just alluded to, is most likely going to be available, or here in Jacksonville, of course, coming coming down to the Justin Fields-Trevor Lawrence debate. And uh, Mike Tannenbaum had some very high praise for Jacksonville and likened us to the Golden State Warriors, or to when Steve Kerr joined the Golden State Warriors, I should say, and, and thinks they should be a playoff team next year, as early as next season. Uh, he said Jacksonville is a historically great opening because of Trevor Lawrence's contract. The day I get that job, I'm getting Devontae Adams on the phone saying, congratulations, you're a Jacksonville Jaguar. I'm not getting off the phone. He said, this reminds me of when Steve Kerr went to the Warriors and he had the foundation there. They made a couple of tweaks and the rest is history. This is a team that should be in the playoffs next year. And of course, you know, uh, Jeff Saturday and uh, Mike Greenberg, as well as uh, I think it was Dominic Foxworth, you know, kind of laughed that off a little bit. But, you know, Mike Tannenbaum was pretty adamant that, uh, you know, that this should be the destination that people want. And we joked about it before we started, Jay. Not sure if he's trying to lobby for himself to get in that position. Of course, he was the GM with the New York Jets. He's had a couple other stops as well. I think he was in Miami. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jay. But 
Uh, you know, I don't know if that's the case here, but what do you think, you know, between Jacksonville and Chicago, we got to get our guys at over at the, uh, the bear essentials who I joined a couple of years ago and, and maybe chime in on this, but you know, what do you think about Tannenbaum saying, you know, they're, they're pretty close. Um, I mean, Devonte Adams would certainly help. I don't know if it's as easy as just calling him up and telling him, Hey, congratulations on becoming a Jaguar. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, to answer your question about stops he's made, of course, as you said, the New York Jets many, many years there through different roles. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, as you mentioned, but before those two stops and Miami was his last one, uh, he was with the Browns, the Saints, and I think that's it. So uh, I had to dig that up, but I knew I knew for a fact the Saints were one. And yeah, as you said, uh, he might be trying to lobby for a job, him and maybe even not that Rex said anything. Uh, actually, Rex did say something about uh, Urban Meyer and how he warned him not to come in the NFL. But please, Shad Khan, say no. Uh, get somebody that's been in the league. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry mike you time. seem like a nice guy but no no thank you we right, we right. respectfully Look, reject your podcast. application <laughs> right right we can get mike on this podcast and talk about it but it's just the whole element of just being from the game for so long that scares me uh, although i i'm not that opposed to maybe rex ryan because his defenses were killer and like coaching is just in his blood but i don't know if rex ryan has any plans to get back into back into football yeah, and in terms of what you said about the Devontae Adams things that uh, thing that stood out to me. Well, I think why Mike mentioned him, right, is because Devontae Adams, if I can recall, has been on record for saying he wants to be the highest paid, basically, receiver in history, basically. So when you're the Jags and you, it looks like they might lead the league in salary cap, we'll have to see how that goes. Um, That makes you eligible to make him that. Um, So, I mean, there, there is that, but at the same time, like, when he come to his senses that the Jaguars gave him the highest paid contract in, in wide receiver history and just looked at the team and just felt like, OK, like it's just been too much losing there. Maybe I don't want to be the highest paid receiver in uh, NFL history. But a lot of that also goes to who's the coach, right? Is the coach a guy that can talk him into it? Is the coach somebody that can sell him on the dream? Is the GM somebody that can sell him on, uh, you know, the rebuild? You know, those are questions that will be answered in the coming weeks. Who are the people that are our coaches and GMs? Uh, but hopefully, you know, we get somebody that's been in the league instead of Mike Tannenbaum if he's pushing for it. I mean, he does okay work on ESPN Get Up, so we'll give him that. But uh, in, in terms of taking over for the Jags as a GM, I'll pass, Mike, respectfully. Yeah, and we'll talk about GM candidates probably in the upcoming weeks here. But we want to talk about coaches first here, Jay, because, of course, that was the main question that came up over on our Twitter spaces the other night. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll take a time, the time here to mention a few, uh, you know, you put out a list, we'll, we'll link it in the show notes of seven coaching candidates, but let's go. Uh, what do you want to do here? You want to do like three or four, uh, maybe your top three or four as far as fit, or how do you want to handle this here? Let's, I mean, like, let's, let's go with the top three or four in terms of a fit, if you want to do that. Yeah, let's do it that way. Uh, you know, uh, before we do that, though, we also want to give a shout out to our other sponsor here for this episode, which is Lightbox, because you can say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but they're just grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink, beautiful blue, as well as a classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off, priced so they won't have to. 
They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. And Jay, there'll certainly never be a dull moment in this coaching search. So let's talk about some of these names here as far as uh, what's being tied to Jacksonville. I feel like we got to start with the most obvious one. And uh, I will shout out some of my uh, some of my Section 202 uh, fans here. They Someone did have a bring back Byron sign this weekend. So it's already starting. Jay, I'll, be, I'll admit to you, I actually went on Facebook Marketplace and eBay to see if I could get a Byron Leftwich jersey sent to me before the game. It didn't happen, unfortunately. I, I couldn't get one. I get, couldn't secure one. But I feel like we got to start there. You know, um, I'm not sure what uh, what kind of fit you think that he is, but I feel like we got to start with, you know, the elephant in the room, which is bringing Byron back home. Um, I do also want to point out the fact that in all of this Byron Leftwich talk, no one has seemed to bring up the fact that we did jettison him out of town for David Garrard. But I guess we're just going to ignore that part of Jaguar history. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I remember it clearly. You know, the whole, oh, David has wills. And, you know, this ain't this ain't to knock anybody. But I'm just saying, like, we call it fair on this podcast. We call it what it is. Uh, but, you know, uh, Byron doesn't have the wills that David does. And, uh, you know, even though Byron did have. David, the, David didn't have the arm. Right. Well, I thought, that, I thought that Byron, Byron had. Uh, had the arm now. But, I mean, I was yeah, so I'm saying David didn't have Byron's arm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, got you, got you. Yeah, you're right on it. But um, it for me, like, I guess I was so young at that point, it didn't matter who was the quarterback. Albeit, I, I was intrigued by David Garrard's uh, running ability and speed because that was around the Michael Vick time. So that did intrigue me, but it didn't really, like, matter that much to me who was the quarterback. I mean, both of them had potential, but, I, you know, we didn't know football the way we know it now. So, you know, it didn't it didn't really I guess I can speak for you on that. It didn't really matter who was the quarterback. It was just, again, the ability to get out of the pocket that kind of scared me with Byron. But, yeah, I wouldn't mind having him back. We talked about him in the spaces. Right. A lot of people are like, you know, why? Why Byron left, which he's only been coaching for X amount of time. And a lot of people are going to bring up that game that they had just this Sunday against um, blanking out on it. Who was it for the Saints? It was the Saints. Saints yeah. Um, a lot but of they just match up poorly with the Saints, man. That's their Tennessee Titans. They just do not match up well. Exactly. You and you hit the nail on the head. I'm going to get into that right now, uh, because as the person that watched the Falcons, you know, like that, that division is weird. You know, and you can never discount the underdog in division matchups in the NFC South. You can never disc on any given day. The Falcons could beat the Saints. On any given day, in my opinion, at least the Carolina Panthers could beat the Saints or the Bucks. Uh, they always have a chance because they just know each other so well. And as you pointed, I know that the Saints have struggled in terms of replacing Drew Brees and offensively and, and this, that, and the other. But people forget the Saints have a very good defense. Like you said, it matches up well with the Bucks. And here's why. They have a, a, a all-pro or a pro bowler on each level, and they have all-pros or pro bowlers at premium positions, right? A premium pass rusher, I guess you could say, uh, is uh, uh, Cam Jordan and Davenport isn't all that bad either. Davenport had a great game, by the way. I think he had one to two sacks in that game. Davenport isn't bad. Uh, they have uh, Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, they have uh, is it Williams? That's the safety back there. If I'm I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was on our free agency list. We wanted we wanted him for sure. Yep, him and then Marshawn Lattimore, of course, at cornerback. Those are premium positions. You're going to match up well with a lot of people, especially a team that you study twice a year. You're going to match up well against them. 
So we came into that, or Jags fans came into that game with a lens of we're looking for our next head coach. But people that watch AFC South football and know the Saints weren't that shocked. And if you came out of that game thinking that the Bucs shouldn't be one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl still, you're sadly mistaken because they're going to get it together. They're going to make the adjustments. And then, again, people are going to be all, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe we should get Byron, you know. But that was just they ran into a buzzsaw in that game. We do it to the Colts sometimes. And we know good and well we aren't better than the Colts. And we know good and well when the Colts lose to us, we know that they're not uh, in a situation where they're not going to make the playoffs. So you can't really put nothing into, like, a divisional loss like that, if you will. So in terms of Byron, uh, like you said, the the story in itself, bringing him back, former first-round pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars would be nice. And what I talked about in the spaces, you know, a lot of people forget this about Byron. He's seen the quarterback position from so many perspectives. He's been the guy as a starter. We just talked about that. He's been a backup. He's held the clipboard for many people, but he's held the clipboard specifically. Uh, one of them is Bruce Arians. He's heard the play calls. He knows Bruce Arians' play calling style because he listened to it as a player, as a backup to Ben Roethlisberger. So essentially, he might be, Byron Leftwich might be B.A.'s kryptonite. If it, it comes to a team that needs to stop the Bucks, if they're going to the Super Bowl, eventually that could be Byron Leftwich, essentially. And you you have to talk about you have to have these conversations because that is who you're going to face in the playoffs. Wait, I know on, the Jags are on, in the you said Byron Leftwich is going to be Bruce Arians kryptonite. He could be. He could be because he's, well, he's listened a- to his play call. He's, oh, he's listened like, to his play call like if they play each other? as a head coach. Okay, right. gotcha. I thought you meant like he was going to stop the Bucks from getting to the Super Bowl. I was like, wait, what? No, 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 not like that. Okay. No, he's going to help them if anything. Okay, I was confused. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. No, no, I'm saying as a head coach, if they ever cross paths, and again, they're in two different conferences again, but you know, you have to start having them conversations too. Eventually, like, okay, we're a playoff team, but how how would we beat the Bucks if we met them? How would we beat the Rams if we met them? And then in our own division in the AFC. You know, you have to think about beating, you know, the the, the Ravens and and whatnot in terms of the teams that's atop the AFC South uh, or the AFC, should I say? So, uh, that being said, man, like I like Byron for that reason because he's he's uh I kind of got sidetracked there. He's he's listened to the play calling from BA as a uh, as a player on the sideline with a clipboard, and I said this in the spaces. Those clipboard holders are dangerous. They they take in a lot of knowledge over the years. People joke on Dan Arlovsky and joke on all these guys that held clipboards for many, many years, but they are smart individuals in terms of what's going on in terms of offensive football. And most importantly, he's learned from B.A. as an assistant coach of his. He's learned from B.A. in a variety of ways. He's played the game in a variety of ways. Why wouldn't you want that next to Trevor Lawrence uh, in terms of getting your quarterback, who's also a first-round pick, uh, right and back on his feet? Yeah, so Byron's name is, of course, you're going to be hearing a lot over the next couple of months. And you got, you know, already reports coming out that he does have the support within the organization as well. So that's definitely a name we are going to keep an eye on for sure. Jay, who else from this list? Uh, if you want to pick out a couple of couple more, you know, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll do this one because uh, this is uh, probably on the top of my list right up there with Byron, and that's Jim Caldwell, of course, former head coach with the Indianapolis Colts, the Detroit Lions. We know what he did. The Lions were winning, Jay, and they somehow, for some reason, got rid of Jim Caldwell. And now, yeah, maybe things are kind of 
moving in the right direction now. But uh, Jim Caldwell is a guy that a lot of NFL players, former NFL players, have been lobbying for. They're unsure of why he has a job, why he doesn't have a job now. And, you know, maybe that has something to do with health, which I'm sure you'll talk about here in just a moment. But what about Jim Caldwell? Because that would definitely be, if you're looking for the exact opposite of what Urban Meyer was and what his regime was, Jim Caldwell is the first name that comes to mind for me. That's exactly how I put it in the spaces. Or it might have been you that put it that way. He's the exact opposite of Urban Meyer. And yes, Jim Caldwell is atop my list. He's one of the top three. I don't know if I would put him necessarily at two or three, but he's two or three um, for right now. You know, this stuff could change. But uh, but yeah, Jim Caldwell, as you said, man, uh, OG that's been in the game for a long time, that's picked the mind of Peyton Manning, uh, that could really help a young man like Trevor Lawrence in terms of learning the game and this, that, and the other. And he's proven to, like, he's proven to be able to do it even without Peyton Manning. So nobody could get stuck on the fact that, oh, you know, this guy, was uh, he had Peyton Manning as a team captain and as his quarterback one. Well, he also put together some reasonable seasons with the Detroit, uh, the Detroit Lions, and he's won one to two Super Bowls, if I'm not mistaken, as an assistant. I think he won one under Tony Dungy, and I think he won one uh, under the Ravens as an offensive coordinator. So he's a guy I have no problem with getting. But again, the age, I think he's around 67, somewhere around there. The age scares me, uh, the health concerns. And taking a Jacksonville job isn't probably the easiest thing to do. Uh, but as I said about Caldwell in the spaces is uh, Caldwell has some ties and he could put a lot of the right people around Trevor Lawrence in terms of, you know, like I was just digging up his tree in terms of the people he can, he could put around Trevor Lawrence and I had him jotted down somewhere, but he could put a lot of good people around Trevor Lawrence. I think uh, one of them was, um, if I'm not mistaken, was it David Cully? Uh, I, I think I had to look that up. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I digress from my point. Uh, it's a lot of good people that Dave uh, Caldwell could put, Jim Caldwell, excuse me, could put around Trevor Lawrence. And uh, again, you know, like it's a total opposite direction of going in what they had with Urban Meyer. And, you know, I wouldn't mind that at all if the health checks out. And also one thing, Phil, that I thought of, too, was possibly bringing Jim Caldwell in as an offensive coordinator under Don Martindale. And I talked highly about Don Martindale um, in the spaces. He's not, a, um, in terms of this list we're doing today, he's not one of my top three, but he's probably four. But Don Martindale and uh, Jim Caldwell worked together with the Ravens. And that being said, if Jim Caldwell, because the big thing about Don Martindale, people are going to ask him is like, who are you going to put next to the quarterback? And if he says Jim Caldwell's name, all he has to do is utter Jim Caldwell's name. If anybody that knows anything about football, they're going to be like, okay, I'm down for that. Shot Khan, for example, I don't know if Shot Khan knows who Jim Caldwell is because he's, he seems to be confused about a lot of things. But the aspect of, of bringing in Don Martindale with Jim Caldwell, I could live with that because you're keeping Joe Cullen in place who worked under Don Martindale with the Ravens. And also, as I said in the spaces, Don Martindale can bring one of those executives from the Ravens that actually know what they're doing in terms of drafting and, and how to run a scouting operation like Joe Horditz or somebody like that. So, I mean, think about that trio, man. Joe Horditz at the top doing the scouting and the, the draft work. Uh, Don Martindale continuing where the defense left off with Joe Cullen and Jim Caldwell as your offensive coordinator. I like the sound of that personally, and I could live with that, albeit that's bringing in a defensive coach. 
Yes, there you go. He has a little bit of a bonus one there, too. I mean, that would certainly be be something that would be very, very interesting. Any Anytime you pull from the Baltimore Ravens organization, Jay, I am all for it. So uh, what about a third one? I uh, I kind of set up the first two here. Uh, you know, anybody else or who else on this list would you like to bring up as far as, you know, your top three? And, uh, you know, maybe we'll save the rest for uh, another episode and uh, or, you know, pair them with some GM candidates, which we're going to do here pretty soon as well. So who's a third name that you think we should be on the eye out for or somebody that you just really like as far as a good fit? Yeah, this one is going to shock some people because I said I wouldn't bring this guy uh, into the organization. Or I wouldn't, he wouldn't be my top guy is how I put it in terms of that um, in the spaces. But the more and more I did digging on Doug Peterson, the more and more I became intrigued. And here's why. Doug Peterson can bring in a lot of people from that Kansas City tree to surround Trevor Lawrence with. Uh, because Doug Peterson was once the quarterback's coach. or even, No, he was the offensive coordinator for Andy Reid in, in Kansas City. But he was his quarterback's coaching for the Eagles uh, back in the day, too, as well. So there's that connection. You can maybe, and again, we'll talk about GM candidates later. You can bring in Barn Gunsey or Ryan Poles. Maybe I believe that's his name from the Kansas City Chiefs that a lot of people are talking about. Uh, you can bring one of those guys with you if you're Doug Peterson. And I'm sure Doug Peterson did work with those guys when he was in Kansas City before he came, uh, he became a head coach. And then again, going back to what I was saying before, Phil, the connection of who are you going to put with Trevor Lawrence? And when I looked at it, I was like, this guy could put some pretty good names, some pretty good teachers with Trevor Lawrence. One that I came across, David Cully, if he's fired. Uh, we don't know if he'll be fired, but David Cully is one that they could put around Trevor Lawrence. And we've heard good things about, like, the, you know, the, the Houston Texans aren't doing all that great, and he's not the best head coach at this, that, and the other. But people respect and love David Cully as an offensive mind. So at a role that's lesser than a head coaching role, he'll probably be just fine. And he's a guy that strikes me that would really, really get along with uh, Trevor Lawrence. The other one, and I know people will be like, oh, I don't know about that because of how the Bears tenure is going. But Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy's a part of that tree, too, a quarterback's coach. But that's what you want around Trevor Lawrence is, is somebody with head coaching experience, somebody with offensive coordinator experience, but also somebody that was once a quarterback's coach. You could put him around Trevor Lawrence as well under Doug Peterson as uh, Matt Nagy was at one point in time, Doug Peterson's quarterback coach, as well as Andy Reid's quarterback coach. So there's that. And I like that relationship that he can bring. Uh, I think the only question with Doug Peterson is who can he bring in in terms of uh, a defensive coordinator? Not the highest on bringing like Jim Schwartz back. I lo- I like Jim Schwartz, don't get me wrong, but I don't want to go back to the 4-3 uh, I would prefer to stick with the the three four. So maybe a guy like uh, there, there's a linebacker coach by the last name of Caldwell that I saw that he worked with that Doug Peterson worked with that he can maybe bring. They run three four concepts over there. Maybe you reach out to a guy like that and give him the defensive coordinator role. But according to reports, he already has his people at least in mind. So you know he's 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 ready to jump right into it pretty much. So he'll probably impress the interviews, um, to say the least. Yeah, not a guy that is, you know, of course, the highest on my list, but you have to bring him up. You know, he's been out of the game for a year now, won a Super Bowl, part of that Andy Reid tree, as you just mentioned there, Jay. And, you know, it's definitely a name, a big name that is uh, certainly going to be tied to the team. Go ahead, Jay. I know you had something else to add. Yeah, one more name I forgot to mention. It just hit me as you were talking that he can bring in to, to coach up Trevor Lawrence. Mike Kafka, who is the passing game coordinator for the Chiefs 
but Mike Kafka was once uh, one of the quarterbacks for Doug Peterson with the Eagles. So he coached him essentially. And you keep hearing Mike Kafka's name. Like he's kind of on that, that level with Kellen Moore, young 33 year old guy that really has it all together and knows about the quarterback position and has played a vital part in that Kansas city um, success that they've had with Mahomes. Yeah, guys, those are just some names to keep an eye on over the next couple of months. Of course, this process, you know, will start earlier than usual. I think, Jay, on the scrapped episode, we also mentioned organizations are now able to start interviewing coaches on week 17, I believe. That, uh, that's something we covered uh, on that episode that we had to, uh, you know, get rid of ultimately. So this will start earlier than it ever has. And, you, you can know, I, uh, I after the Jets game. Yeah. So they can get to it right away. And, uh, you know, I actually. I, uh, I got a chance to ask Brett and Martino about this. He did a little Twitter spaces like right there, at like one thirty in the morning. And, and he thought it was more so of a, of a coincidence of this happening. Uh, but you know, who knows? Uh, but those are definitely some names we want to keep an eye on. Jay, is there anything else you wanted to mention here on this episode? You know, of course uh, we got the, uh, the Jets game coming up this weekend. We'll focus on that and, uh, you know, see the battle of the top two picks, you know, Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence. We'll see how that goes down. Man, I can't wait for these hot takes to come out if the Jets, you know, come away looking looking pretty good. So very much looking forward to that. I'm if you can't pick up on the sarcasm in my voice. But Jay, anything else you wanted to mention before we get out of here for this week and and focus on uh, the future of the Jacksonville Jaguars and maybe getting this thing pointed in the right direction? I will say this. It might be a lose lose situation for the Jets. Because last year they aided us, not directly, but they aided us in getting Trevor Lawrence by beating the Rams. And they they had two wins last year. It was another win they got in there somewhere. Uh, but they aided us by beating the Rams, and we jumped to number one. And this year they can help propel us to the number one overall pick by beating us. So would we exactly be mad if you guys are getting somebody that can help Trevor Lawrence in terms of the defensive side, help Josh Allen? I don't think I exactly be mad about getting Aiden Hutchinson or or Thibodeau either one. Like I, you're kind of doing us a favor. So I wouldn't I wouldn't beat my chest too much about beating a, a very terrible Jags team. By the way, I wouldn't beat my chest uh, too much about that because you're essentially putting us in position also to get who knows like George Pickens in the second round for Trevor Lawrence. And if we run it back next year, we got some pieces around Trevor Lawrence. We might can win that one if we run it back next year with the Jets, but. That's just my thoughts on that. But, yeah, I mean, like, we'll continue to look into head coaching information and people that will interview that will start Tuesday, as you said, or at least they can virtually interview them Tuesday. Uh, we'll also be paying attention to the game, of course, that's against the Jets. Uh, so that should be interesting, to say the least. Uh, like you said, I know people can sense the sarcasm there, but uh, we'll do like behind enemy lines on the site as well with Jets Wire. And, uh, yeah, you know, we'll keep you up to date in terms of uh, mostly this head coaching search. But, again, we can't forget that there is a game to be played against Zach Wilson and company. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll be keeping people up to date on that as well. Yeah, and also in that same situation, if the Jets do win, you know, you just move, you move farther and farther down the draft order. So go ahead, New York, win and enjoy your day against the, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Just remember that you guys have – 50 times the resources as us and you're still just as bad if not worse so i'm just going to leave that out there but again everybody thank you so much for joining us for any of those new listeners that have stuck around that we got uh, you know that found us over on that twitter spaces live thank you so much for joining us we hope you enjoyed the show it's a little bit of a taste of what you'll get each and every single week from jay and i 
If you do enjoy the show and you're listening on your Apple device, again, leave us a five-star review if you feel like we have earned it. You can also follow us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, Amazon Music, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast as part of the Believe Podcast library. Shout out to our sponsors here, Bet Online and Lightbox. Make sure to keep up with all the up-to-date Jacksonville Jaguar news on jaguarswire.usatoday.com. Follow the show on Twitter, Believe in Jags Pod. Find myself at Phil the Filipino. Jay is at sportsgrind underscore Don. Thank you all so much for joining us for another episode. Don't forget to believe in the Jaguars, but more importantly, believe in yourselves, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.